start of part two. Should we move on to stereotypes? I believe it's time to move on to stereotypes. (laughs) And I kind of talked about each character as a stereotype, which makes sense. Because they're all kind of stereotypes in the show. Yeah, I mean... They were sort of created that way, yeah, I think, that in, in the beginning, because the whole reason that the Simpsons were sort of the way that they were in the first place was that uh, in the in getting the deal to do something animated, Groening didn't want to give up the rights to the rabbit characters in Life in Hell, the mm-hmm. rabbits in Akbar and Jeff, and so he, in the spur of the moment, in the waiting room, supposedly, drew the Simpsons just as, well, that's dad, that's mom. And I mean, during the the Tracy Ullman show for the first year or two, Homer and Marge didn't even have names. Yeah. They were just mom and dad. So that plays into what you're saying about, about Homer especially. <laughs> yeah, because like Homer to start with just seems like that dumb father mm-hmm. husband that just doesn't get it. It's just a burden. <laughs> it's just negligent. <laughs> and I guess that's obvious in Moaning Lisa and that he just doesn't know what to do about Lisa. And he, like as soon as she starts to express some feelings of sadness he tries to cheer her up like she's a baby yes like he goes immediately to oh well this helped when she was like six months old but (laughs) ride the homer horsey yeah well yeah i also it is a stereotype definitely i think it is also very believable to me um in this episode yeah. Uh, Homer's attitude toward Lisa, because they had a very interesting relationship, or at, least, at least it was interesting to me as a kid, mm-hmm. um, because he is trying a lot of the time to understand her and having a lot of trouble doing it. Homer was mm-hmm. still kind of dumb in the early episodes, but he wasn't quite as uh, sort of malicious or kind of almost violent yeah. as he later would be. And there were times actually when actually Matt Groening objected some to Homer's characterization later on and, and would have things corrected. But I don't think that he did quite enough to <laughs> totally stem the tide of what was happening. Yeah. Because it's a lot easier to write a total jerk ass than it is to write someone who's nuanced. And I think early on Homer is pretty nuanced. He He's... Is a working class guy who somehow has a huge fucking house, but of course it was the it was a different time. And, and he, as a father, he clearly does love his kids. Um, physically abusive to Bart, though, uh, <laughs> and uh, which wouldn't fly today, I don't think. I think, in retrospect, that what resonated with me seeing Homer try to interact with Lisa, like when this epi- in this episode when he has this great bit where he's like, "Sure, I mean, I have I feel bad sometimes, you know, like." my stomach hurts or I'm going crazy, you know, and that's the (laughs) entire range of emotions that he understands. Yeah. And I really saw, I saw my dad in that in a big way. Um, and my dad and I had kind of a similarly like confusing relationship because he was definitely befuddled by the kinds of interests that I had. Um, Mm. And really didn't understand their importance as, like, coping mechanisms, as you see with the saxophone in this episode when he yeah. insists that she keep it quiet. And, I mean, even though, like I said, he's very, he's quick-tempered and he's oafish and whatever else, um, I, I, I do, you know, think that there is something real about the way that he talks to Lisa and does try but as Lisa says, yeah, you know, he, he means well, he but that's all to you help can her. say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she says that well, yeah. I do get very, and this will tie in with the other episode, but there's a moment um, when he's playing the video game. 
Very important. And Marge comes in to say something. I forget which scene, if it's the last scene or an earlier one. She's, I think it's when the note about Lisa gets sent home. Mm. And as he's getting, as he's playing with Bart in the game, he goes, quiet, Marge. And uh, when I was a kid, I don't know that it would have really, it was just Homer, you know. When I see it now, that kind of thing, I think even more than the strangling, which is so cartoonish. Yeah. Um, the way that he talks to her sometimes really does something that I don't like to me. Mm. Now. And I think, I mean, on the one hand, it's probably one of the only times that you actually see an abusive husband being abusive in the ways that the less dramatic ways that it can happen. Yeah. But I think not only because there was some of that going on in my house growing up, but also because working with the public, I see this stuff sometimes yeah uh it's not not actually just men even although i'm sure mostly men if i counted it out (laughs) but people being very curt with their spouses in a way that Mm. is like not acceptable to me in public and maybe at all especially Uh, not in front of your kids too yeah yeah and also also talking the way some of them talk to their children Mm. including adult children at times and i mean i think that as time has gone on doing this doing the library thing for 15 years it's started to (laughs) it's harder for me to laugh at that now yeah because i think it is really bad and i mean i guess i'm also very i've cultivated a life where i don't have any of that around and so seeing Mm. it again is a little bit it's a little bit shocking (laughs) yeah for sure and i'm sure at the time no one would have batted an eyelid at that because luckily domestic violence and those early warning signs are a bit more like there's a bit more awareness about it. Thankfully, yes. they're going away. But, yeah, it's not quite as acceptable now. And, yeah, in, in fear of flying, on that note... Yes. He's, he's not a good husband. <laughs> no. It's, and it's not... We'll talk about this uh, probably in a moment, but yeah. So I mean, just to go over the things that he does. I mean, every it's exact. It's the textbook of um, like abusive behavior. Of verbal abuse. <laughs> yeah. Verbal. Yeah. Yeah. Gaslighting, like you said, minimizing her problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and also the paranoia about therapy. The whole thing where it's like, you know, she's going to tell Marge to leave me and all that. And I mean incidentally that's probably what she should be told i mean not that it's the therapist can't say you leave your husband basically yeah i mean you can certainly urge the client in a certain direction well yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) to just tell people to leave their husband as much as as sometimes you'd love to it doesn't achieve the the result you're hoping for usually Hmm. but yeah and the fact that he's worried that that's gonna happen it's like says something like he knows he's a shit husband he already knows but like he hasn't had to work at it and marge has just been blissfully well he's been blissfully doing his thing with her just accepting it and like what a shit person to be like yeah he knows he's an absolutely awful husband if he's like that worried about you know he's gonna break our family up yeah you know and actually this is something that i like about this episode honestly just in and of itself even though i don't really like the way homer is characterized as a simpsons fan because i think it's inconsistent with who he used to be but that's a much bigger subject um Mm. but i mean again not to make it too personal but i witnessed this exact thing happening because you know um i'll just say it my mother went into therapy um, my dad was verbally abusive and that was his exact reaction. He was in the same way that he was like paranoid and, 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 um, 
you know, possessive and everything about her just having, you know, like outside interests, other things going on. Like when she went into therapy, it was like, you know, this, this, this quack who I've never met is going to, you know, ruin my life because, Mm. uh, he's going to tell my wife that she has to leave, you know? And I mean, it's Mm. just like, that is unfortunately very true to life about how a possessive and abusive person operates Mm. when there's a threat that someone who, you know, knows what they're talking about is going to analyze the situation. It's like the game's up. Yeah, exactly. It was like that um, game that they've played for so long, they won't be able to play it anymore. It's like the wizard behind the curtain will be, you know, the Mm. man behind the curtain (laughs) will be exposed. I'd like to know in the case of your parents, if it's okay, Mm -hmm. is that what led to them separating? Yes. So he was right. (laughs) Well, I mean, he was right in a sense, but I mean, he made it more right by the fact that he was so, I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, because it's like, as soon, if you were that possessive that your spouse is going into therapy and trying to get help for their, you know, Mm. what's the correct word? (laughs) (laughs) Distress, mental distress. (laughs) For their, just for their mental distress. Um, (laughs) Then, I mean... You should be ha- in a perfect world. You should be happy about that. But if your immediate response is, "You cannot fucking do that. That's a terrible idea. You need to not. You 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 need to stay home and not go to. You know." Then I mean, mm-hmm. that just tells you right there that there's something wrong. I mean, that's all you mm-hmm. have to say. If you don't want your if you don't want your spouse to go to therapy, that's a bad <laughs> that's a bad relationship. I'm sorry, it is. There's, no, there's nothing good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. And also on top of that, like Homer tries to interfere and control and mm-hmm. <laughs> become a window washer, um, just so he can sp- spy. And like, obviously, it's played for laughs and it's a joke, but it's like even worse than the fact he won't let her go is trying to to spy and peek in. Yeah, and, and I mean, what? Uh, just so uh, disrespectful. I mean... So such a boundary crossed. And it's a little bit weird because I mean, in that in that particular joke, it's kind of like you know, it's hard to it, it's really hard to see that as just like benignly funny the way that yeah. some of it is because it's like it's and I mean the jo- the the portions where he's just like talking about he doesn't want him to go to therapy and he has that great exchange with Lisa and all that that's a little different because that's like a lower key affair but when he's like donning the outfit of being like the window washer. Mm and all that that becomes so over the top that it's like it's you feel like you're supposed to think it's like cute or something and it's yeah, kind of like it's not cute. the context is doesn't really work mm. <laughs> i really hated yeah. it <laughs> um and then of course he like you know he's figured it out like she's figured out her issue with the flying and then the therapy's like okay now for the real work your husband and then he's like yeah. nope bye like obviously again jokes haha and here's my problem with that sorry go ahead <laughs> no no that's all i had to say <laughs> well i was just gonna say the problem with that so like that as an audience member you're obviously siding with the therapist in that moment because throughout this episode homer has been basically a monster he's been horrible to her yeah and and it's like the character inconsistency on this show had gotten to the point by this point that it's like why am I then supposed to tune in the next week and care about what Homer is, is doing? Because yeah. the very next week is the, is the Stonecutters episode, I think. Ah. Where it's like, it's all about how Homer is really upset because his friends aren't letting him into the secret club. And it's like, well, a minute ago, <laughs> Homer friends, was... don't forget. Yeah, male <laughs> friends, yeah. A minute ago, Homer was like, uh, you know, being a gigantic bitch to Marge because she needed help. Mm. And now, I'm, but that's the thing, is that like, everybody changes from week to week so much. 
that unlike I think in the earlier seasons where there was like this this work done by people like Sam Simon to sort of establish who everyone was, what their relationships were, now both the characters themselves and the relationships seem to be totally dependent on what's happening that week. Mm. Like the same season has the episode, a very famous episode written by Jennifer Crittenden about the period of time when Maggie was born. When oh, Homer yeah. quit his job at a, at the nuclear plant and went and worked at a bowling alley and then Marge got pregnant. And it's a very tender and sweet episode and it all revolves around how much Homer during Marge's pregnancy was, he seems to be exhibiting signs of depression because he knows that he's not going to be able to keep this job and that sort of thing. Mm. And then when as soon as Maggie is born, they connect immediately and the whole end of the episode is about how just how much he loves Maggie. Well, who the fuck is that person? Yeah, that's not absurd. About, in this and episode. I, I'm not saying that people can't be multiple things. I know that there are a lot of, you know, people who are overall very decent who do really shitty things in their lives, but the mm. character of who Homer is doesn't seem to have any like there's no like through line there and there's no and yeah and I mean, he's, there's no growth it frustrates me watching it even though i overall like like the show in this era as someone who really connected with the characters on a personal level it's this is where it starts to become really kind of difficult yeah um i can't <laughs> comment on like the trajectory like you can but yeah yeah it's, it kind of feels like they become this kind of person and then it sort of snaps back to a stasis after the next episode yeah and the nature of the caricature uh bends based on what the needs of the particular episode are which i guess like towards the end of the episode though he does help her on the plane like he reassures her about the noises kind of sort of so yeah. learn how to be helpful maybe yeah yeah i mean i think so i mean i think um it seems like it might be an allusion to uh john cusack at the end of say anything when he's wa- when ione sky is afraid of flying and he's talking her through all the different sounds at the end of that movie um, uh Another which movie actually I haven't is seen, a, but they're referencing. Uh, yeah, well, it's... And I, I, I'm not 100% sure that it's a reference, but it is a Gracie Films production. Oh, well, probably. <laughs> as is so. The Simpsons, and so it feels like it probably is, but yeah. But even <laughs> so, like, I mean, it is, a, it is a moment of Homer being kind of sweet, but then, like, of course the plane goes in the water. And, you know, what does he say? <laughs> it's That's an a omen. swimming around. <laughs> 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 oh, what did you think about Bart saying, um, so much for the time when I could say at least my mother is normal? I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of made me like like chuckle a bit, but it's also because, I mean, it is a good indictment of Homer, I guess, I bet. But normal is probably not a good word to use in a psychi- psychiatric setting. No. And I think, again, like at the time, there was so much more stigma around mental health. But also at the yeah. time, this this is something that really shaped the world maybe more than it if you need to therapy be. there's something wrong with you yeah and that's the message of it is Marge go crazy Marge need help oh mm-hmm. we can't have her being like that um go back to being a, a faithful housewife <laughs> i don't know yeah exactly it just yeah. yeah it wasn't a great line but you know it's bart saying it i guess bart <laughs> in morning lisa the video game line which we sort of talked about I was yeah. wondering if maybe it was like juxtaposing Lisa's depression and vulnerability and and um, expression of sensitive feelings with like that sort of toxic masculinity of of 
just just needing to fight and be the best and not allowing other people to beat you. Um, there's a line that Homer says, like, it was the worst day of my life when I realized I could beat my dad. Like, that's right. all that matters to him. It's very alien to me personally because that's so not my lived experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, the idea Same. of being that worried about winning things and beating things is just not really where <laughs> I was at. Um, I was like, it would be nice if I one day won or beat <laughs> someone at something. So, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's like, it does remind me a little bit of something that my brother told me once because uh, I remember him telling me that um, he was playing basketball or like not even really playing basketball, but like shooting hoops or whatever with my dad in like the driveway once. And dad started to get like really uptight about the fact that Jeremy was doing better than he was. And Jeremy was like 15. And dad <laughs> is clearly like, just like dad would get, when he, dad would get angry, he had this sort of Yosemite Sam thing going on. And he would just like try to like suppress it. But he would just be like, just like a real like, like steaming out of the ears, you know, <laughs> just like he couldn't stand that he wasn't like, but I mean, it's your kid is the thing. Mm. It's like, if your kid is doing really well at something, even if it's something Am I allowed to say this? As trivial as a boxing game or mm. whatever, you know, than NES. Then, I mean, and I'm not saying that video games are a trivial hobby. I just want everyone to hear that. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just that, like, it's not like... It's not like he's winning, like, some important competition at school is what I mean. Yeah. But, but you... You should be, you're going to be proud of, like, Casper when, you know, when he, you know what I mean? Like, when he does anything that's, like... I 100% expect me to surpass me in most things, (laughs) so... Yeah. Yeah, and and that's what I want from, I want, like, yeah, it's like, as a parent, I expect you want your kids to succeed, and their success is more important than whether you can beat them. But instead, Homer seems to want Bart to think that dad is, like, king. Yeah. That dad is, like, the best at everything, which is so egotistical to me. It is. And and it's just, I don't know if that is, like, I don't, maybe it's, like, a common trope or something of of the period, but, I mean, I I, I wouldn't, um, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like pretty lackluster parenting to me. Um, It's pretty shit parenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And also, it's odd because I don't know that, I don't recall Homer really caring about video games before or after this. There is a very striking moment, kind of prophetic, actually, near the end of the episode when um, Marge unplugs the system mm. and Homer <laughs> loses the plot. Okay, it is kind of funny. Homer <laughs> is, is like doubled over on the floor, like bawling. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and on the commentary, I think it's, it's either Al Jean or Mike Reese, but one of them says that you know, probably if a husband is, like, on the floor crying over how badly, a, you know, over a video game being unplugged, the marriage is in serious trouble. <laughs> and, you know, it's... But the thing is that, like, I feel like there's a little bit of a... We've gotten a generation later, we have a little bit of this kind of man-child culture a bit. In yeah. The US, and definitely in the U.S., and I think in some other places, too. Oh, 100% it, in Australia. Yeah, and it seems like that's a little bit of a of a, a prediction of, of that, which, I mean, maybe it was probably already happening, but just manifesting in different ways because of the structure. You know? And it's for, I, I see it as a toxic masculinity thing in that, you know, Homer wants to be king, Right. Yeah, you know, he wants to be the big strong man, but if you thwart his, you know, goal, then he's a mess of tears. Uh, I do think that the episode is somewhat aware of how petty this whole thing is because it does contrast very, I think, 
smartly the moment when Homer and Marge are sleeping and Marge has this very troubling dream where she remembers like her mother telling her it was important to always smile and and all Mm. this and then Homer has a dream in which he's in the boxing game and is being pummeled by Bart yeah and then you know Marge is tossing and turning and Homer wakes up screaming in this very exaggerated (laughs) way (laughs) and I mean that's just like you know his problem is 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 nothing there's nothing to it but I mean you know he's he's inflating it because it's a because it's a chink in his you know supposed masculine armor his fragile ego let's move on to marge um you know i do have a problem with how marge is like the repressed housewife yeah that's a very common criticism and i think a sign of the times and definitely i think it's like insightful that the simpsons like goes back into her past and that she was told to just smile and get on get on with it by her parents who you know in that time that's what they did I think that was probably common of the time right yes very but it's also like society telling her to just get on with it it's helpful that she realizes that the advice she's giving which is you know just push your feelings down and then you'll fit in and then you'll be invited to parties and boys will like you (laughs) it's important that she realizes that was bad advice at the end but as we like we're talking about it's not really followed through in the show. Right, yeah. She's still the repressed housewife. She'll always be the repressed housewife that I mean, I think just that wants to get on with it. If you actually if you like look at the first few years of The Simpsons, um, and, and look at them sort of holistically, there's a little bit more dimension to Marge than it might seem in any given episode. And I mean there are certain ones where she's mm-hmm. explored pretty well. The one I mentioned that shows her in high school, for example. And other ones, there's one really actually very good one, uh, I think it's season three, where she, so much is expected of her as a, as a mom, and, and, and she has so many things on her list that she has to get done, and Bart and Lisa and Homer are all like demanding so much of her that she basically has like a meltdown while she's driving, and she mm. speaks up for herself and insists that she has to take a vacation. And, of course, mm. at home, things go terribly when she's not there. Which, I mean, is, in, is actually, you know, you know, is in keeping with the message, too. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a good example of an episode that, that actually, you know, takes time to show Marge's inner life more than it might seem like traditionally was done. Um, mm. You know, again, this is a... The people writing this were all people who grew up in the 50s and 60s, um, yeah. you know, and people who not only probably had lived experience of a stay-at-home housewife, given how, you know, well-off a lot of them were, but also um, The Simpsons is riffing a lot on the culture of those times, so the sitcoms of those times. Yeah, that's true. And so that would be, I don't know that there was a single family sitcom, well, there weren't very many sitcoms that revolved around working women in the real world until James L. Brooks's The Mary Tyler Moore Show, in, which started in 71. I mean, you had characters like on Get Smart, Barbara Feldon, but then she married the lead character and was no longer a spy. So, I mean, you know. And, and so, yeah, I mean, did I think that not only is it sort of a, an ingrained stereotype and sort of a a way that reflects on the people themselves, but also on the society and the media that they were born into. Yeah, so, that's true. And and because of their generation gap with the people watching the show, it has this weird juxtaposition where it's like, we, people our age, are seeing this, like, 
old idea of the stay-at-home mom being sort of regurgitated, you know, 50 years down the line. And I guess throughout this series, she's not just the housewife. Like, she gets involved in all sorts of adventures and capers, and I can't... Well, she's a cop one time, but, that's you right. know, that's yeah. over by the end of the episode. <laughs> that's, and I guess that's my problem, is that she sort of snaps back to yeah. the housewife. Absolutely. And in fear of fi- flying, the fact that her sort of excuses for not flying are, like, because of housekeeping mm-hmm. things. <laughs> I feel like really diminishes her, like, she's just the mum. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't have a life outside of that. And these these are guys who probably, ugh, I mean, I, I don't know, but, I mean, I, I, I can't really speak to how men in those days, like, communicated with women who I assume there were women at Harvard. Um, <laughs> Maybe a couple. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... It does seem like sometimes the way that Marge is sidelined in the grand scheme of things reflects how little these guys really knew about women's inner lives beyond, mm. like, vacuuming, you know. One of the deleted scenes, she's vacuuming in the middle of the night and the vacuum's not plugged in. So, I mean, again, everything that she does, all of her manic behavior has something to do with housewife stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I do love it when she's um, hammering on the roof and then <laughs> okay, that's Homer true. says... That's just... <laughs> It's, you know, it's three in the morning. Shouldn't you be baking? <laughs> so in a little while. Like, it, it is played. <laughs> in a little while. It's yeah. played for love again. But, yeah, a little bit narrow. Well, let me just say really quickly that the reason Marge quit Marge quit the police force was because it was corrupt, not because, you know, just... A, True. But also Homer didn't want her to be a cop, so there's oh, also that. So too. many layers. <laughs> but, who, you know, my parents didn't want me to become. Um, mm. I was never going to become Bart, but anyway... Like, I feel like there's a lot to Bart. In yeah. uh, Moaning Lisa, he's like the jealous, bratty brother who doesn't get it and just sees Lisa's uh, sadness as like a ploy to get more, get a nice bath and yeah. have more attention. And like, do you think Bart is like supposed to be the sort of right wing society that's, that just doesn't want to believe that mental illness is a thing and is just like, you know, I traveled 25 kilometers miles to get to school you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps yeah i i think it's possible i think i think especially because like because the show is so much from lisa's perspective at least for like the first half um i I think that it's bart becomes kind of a stand-in for the different things that you probably hear when you're a depressed person and Mm. you're trying to reach out for help you know and there probably is going to be someone who's just like oh here we go again yeah exactly Bart generally is a little bit more understanding of Lisa than he is in this, um, but I think that also it's a fairly realistic sibling relationship. Um, there are times when they seem to get along really well, there are times when they don't, and I mean, when he does the, at, at the point when she's really upset and, and has just taken the bath and he says, I'll cheer you up, and he does the prank call, mm. there is some precedent for that because she, in past episodes and future episodes, often was sort of the the kind of the wingman when Bart did his yeah, Mo phone true. call. She always participated and laughed when Mo did the threats, which was always, I think, the real reason that they did it, was to hear what Mo would say, because the actual prank calls are pretty stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, but I do think that what you're saying about the bootstrap stuff is insightful, because that, with Matt Groening in particular, and probably everyone who was hired on the show... They would have been, you know, liberal dudes in this era that was just after the big Reagan trickle-down 
era and so or really still during it because bush senior would have been president at this point um uh. graining was very vocal in life and hell about reagan uh who was sort of an inescapable the same way as trump in the last few years reagan would have been something that everybody had a opinion on and would have been extremely yeah. divisive and so a lot of those philosophies that you're describing would have been very familiar would have been very ubiquitous in fact in media and american media at that point i think it's also interesting that like his way of trying to deal with depression is like mess up with other people like yeah well with you. <laughs> which i think that see other people's misfortune that re- that that becomes his way of dealing with his own shit too i mean later yeah you know you see that in the show when bard exhibits certain you know signs of of you know um depression and such you know that is usually how he acts out um but it does seem i, I think another bit of accuracy here is that he does seem like he is at, at, in this episode he seems like he's going to turn into homer mm. because he um He's already learning this whole narrative that, like, if you have weakness, you have to hide it. And that's what, like, home is modeling to Bart through yeah. his actions in the show. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so he doesn't even... He's already at the point where, regardless of whether he himself has any emotional, you know, any complex emotions, mm. other people's emotions are completely incomprehensible to them because it's so important that you not express them. And that's, you know, that's kind of a classic masculinity thing. But yeah, I feel like Bart does develop a bit better throughout. But like in this early episode, I was like, wow, Bart's a little shit. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just because his role in this episode is kind of limited because like he doesn't really have any identity at all in the boxing scenes. Yeah. And his only really important scene is that actually I really do love the scene where um, Marge wants him to say that he loves Lisa (laughs) because that seems, you know, from what I know of, from what I've encountered with friends with siblings their own age, that's a fairly realistic uh, yeah. depiction of the, <laughs> of that reluctance Ew, to... Gross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's finish stereotypes with the therapist. Uh-huh. And my, my only... Yeah, my maybe my only problem is that she seems so focused on money. <laughs> it's so weird. And the uh, This is... This may not be the best time to bring this up, but your last check bounced. What? Yeah, like, there's no <laughs> way we would bring that up then. Like, that made no sense to me. And it would be one thing if it was, like, funny, but it doesn't really land. Like, No, it's, it's, it's a strange placement. And I don't know if... I don't know where people got the idea that... Well, I, mean, I guess she was a psychiatrist, and psychiatrists, at least in Australia, have a medicine degree. So mm-hmm. you know, they're a doctor. Yeah. But psychologists, we don't... We're not doctors. We Mm-mm. we basically should be, but we don't get paid that much. <laughs> it's not that lucrative a career. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of study for the amount yeah. of study we do and continued study, which we have to do to be registered. You think we would get paid big bucks, right. but we don't. <laughs> it's, how much do you, how much I, do you make, Steph? I'm just kidding. I just think it's a bit of a mean joke to portray the therapist as being so money-grabbing. But, yeah, they sort of flip it by, by showing that she's a very helpful therapist and she's really right. good at what she does. And, you know, she deserves to be paid lots. But, yeah, yeah. like, no, no therapist, if they're good at what they do, do it for the money because it's lots of work. <laughs> for, and, I mean, already, the, even, though you don't, even though you don't have the, the degree to, or the medical degree or, uh, to be, like, the actual, to be the psychiatrist, then, like, I mean, I know over here you need, like, a lot of schooling still, even just to be, like, a counselor, a therapist. I mean, it's, mm. like, 
It's not like me just like bumming along through my life, like you know, just <laughs> <laughs> does that mean you into... probably wouldn't have good skills? Like, and I, I think the best psychologists aren't the necessarily the one who's had the most training. It's it's all right. it's you know it's that magic as well that we just have. No, <laughs> you know it's it's also the the personality and the values that you bring to the job. You know, I think it was trying to suggest that psychologists really just care about the money. They don't actually care about their patients, even if they do really good work. But that's you that's all over. True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that, like you were saying, it, it probably was modeled off Prince of Tides, which is a female therapist. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, like most therapists were probably old white men, I guess. Yes, I did really try to think of more. Um, and I'm sure that I'm forgetting some. Uh, there is a really interesting uh, series of therapy scenes in the movie, An Unmarried Woman. I think it's from 78 or 9, directed by Paul Mazursky, has a female therapist, which, and those are very unusually accurate depictions of of therapy sessions. Um, Mm. And uh, I'm sure there are others that I've seen, but I, I can't really think of them. And certainly, like, the stereotype, as you're saying would be sort of an old man who talks like this, and you see what Marge is exhibiting. Is <laughs> Marge is exhibiting a phenomenon known as, you know, like I'm just thinking about the end of Psycho yeah. with the, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I'm thinking of, like, um, Cuckoo's Nest. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just... God. But I think she's very classy. She's smart. She has pearls. She dresses well. She's... She's witty, yeah. like she's a likable therapist. And I did get some Dr. Melfi vibes from her. Shall we end on helpful or harmful? Let's start with Moaning Lisa. What was helpful? What do we think was helpful about Moaning Lisa? Yeah, so I will say that I deeply, deeply love the sort of, um, I'll call it the comeuppance scene, where um, Marge whisks mm. Lisa away from the boys and Mr. Largo in front of the school because the things that she says to her at that point, um, she says something like, um, actually she says, always be yourself. If you want to be sad, be sad. And when you're done being sad, we'll be there for you. And she says the, that we as the family will ride it out with you. And as somebody who had a certain degree of moodiness as a child, I feel like it would have made a very large difference to me if someone had ever said that stuff to me even if it wasn't a parent even if it was you know a a teacher or something those are good words I think and those are really beautiful words to hear in this context to me I completely agree and you wrote in the notes this google doc is turning into a therapy session and so is this podcast here we are (laughs) (laughs) because it's it's such a beautiful description of how what a parent could do to help their kid who is going through it. You don't need to try and fix them. Yes. Um, and in fact, trying to fix it can actually do more harm than good sometimes. Because fixing it implies that there is something wrong. I mean... It, a problem yeah, to fix, is... yeah. That you're not right and you can't be this way. But, like, Marge realises that suppressing isn't going to help Lisa. She needs... What she needs right now is space to be sad. Yes. And for Marge to provide that space... And sort of hold that space for her. And I don't think there's a line in, in in media that portrays that so well. Yeah. Like, there's no fix. There's no cure for depression. But what will help is feeling feeling it and feeling validated 
that you're feeling it. It's amazingly forward-thinking, considering that it's a first-season episode of The Simpsons. It, it actually yeah. blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I always have a real emotional response to that scene, too. I mean, there are several scenes in The Simpsons that always tear me up a little bit, uh, but and that's one of them. It's just, you know, mm. I don't know. It's just very, it's direct in the right way. Totally. And you can see that Lisa already starts feeling better. And I think yes. it's it's also helpful that she doesn't, she's not cured. Like, you can't see that right. she's 100% happy and everything's fine, but you can see she just feels like smiling. And and that's all she says. Yeah, I, f- I feel like smiling because you get me, Mum. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just really good. <laughs> yeah, and then when her song gets sung, despite what he, Bleeding Gums said earlier, when he sings her song at the jazz hole, <laughs> mm. um, you know, he it in a way it almost plays as like an apology. Yeah, it's it's demonstrating what we were saying earlier, which is that your your problems are your problems. Yeah. What what's bothering you is what's bothering you, and it's worth airing out you know and it's it's kind of therapy in itself and that sometimes what's most validating is just hearing it said back to you like one thousand percent he's singing it back to her like yes this is valid and i like your next point too about the root cause oh well yeah i and i might have touched on this before but it, it is very meaningful to me that they chose not to give like some sort of um reason why lisa is depressed and I think in terms of helpful versus harmful, this is, for me, top of the helpful list. Because it's like, so much of the time we are kind of taught that depression in particular has to, and even anxiety as we see in the other episode, it has to have this sort of rational root cause. It has to be this sort of like switch that you turn, you know. And and it, it's, I think it's very sweet and validating to have an eight-year-old's emotions rendered in this way that allows them to be big and overwhelming and without them having to have this kind of exterior uh trigger basis you know and yeah so i mean that is like you were saying as far as accuracy on depression and as far as helpfulness in terms of for someone who is dealing with depression or even who is just dealing with like a mild spate of sadness, then, I mean, I think that that is, Mm. like, gets you in the heart, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and I think that was, it wasn't saying to people, we need to fix her, we need to find out the cause. It was, it it didn't go into why in the episode, and I think that was helpful in validating other people's experiences of depression and just how how to manage it. Oh, and just quickly speaking to... um... I guess, this may fall under stereotypes, actually. Bleeding Gums is voiced by uh, Ron Taylor, a black singer and actor, which makes him a true rarity. An early Simpsons lore, a black character mm. voiced by a black actor. An actual black actor. Cheers for that. So, gee, it's pretty sad. <laughs> pretty sad, but yeah. He's such a rarity. <laughs> and he was a coach on Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like two or three episodes. Yeah. Um, in Fear of Flying... Mm-hmm. I do think it was helpful seeing therapy being useful. I also, like, I think, you know, the therapist was likeable. She was smart and sassy. She she did her job very quickly. She's a good therapist. She's a good therapist. And I love how much Marge appreciates her help. Yeah. And one of the funniest bits was, When the wind whistles through the woods, I'll hear your name. Lowenstein. My name is White. <laughs> Lowenstein. I, it's really nice when a, when a client appreciates what you do for them. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I I try to express that 
<laughs> and I, I try to express it with my therapist too and my previous therapists like and whenever anyone does give me feedback and say oh you've helped me so much or whatever which not not to toot my own horn but it does happen like I automatically because you're a good therapist thank you well you don't know but yes I think I am but I often go back and say oh I didn't do anything you did all the work and that's absolutely true that's what Oh, I just accidentally said my therapist's name. That's what my therapist <laughs> always says. Well, it's true. We, we don't do the work. You do the work. And if we're doing the work, then that's not good therapy. But um, <laughs> I don't take the compliment. <laughs> but that would be such a nice compliment yeah. to receive. I'll hear your name. It's like on the breeze. Harmful. I just want to say... Why is Lisa outside with a strange man on a bridge in the middle of the night? <laughs> How did she get there? <laughs> Why was no one aware? Why was Marge driving around? How did she find her? They remark on this a little bit in the commentary track um, and, you know, saying that a lot of them are parents now and find it really shocking. <laughs> um, but I, I personally, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. This will be my last tangent for this installment of <laughs> psychocinematic but i do want to say that um i like this moment a lot and it's because um when i was having what i now think were early signs of depression as a child uh, i clearly remember the urge to escape mm -hmm. to get out of the house and although i did not do it in the middle of the night because it would not have been possible um, I did get on my bike and, and ride away at every opportunity I could. I was not really supposed to go as far or as frequently as I did. Um, my, so I did it when my parents were not around and I feel like it was something I needed to do. I went and saw friends. I did mm -hmm. a lot of different things and, and I, cause I felt like I was kind of overprotected in my house as a kid. And, and so it was very, um, enriching for me to be able to do that. So I relate to Lisa in that sense. But even more now, because dealing with, you know, different problems, uh, depression, grief, whatever else, as a as an adult, it was even more important. And I remember, like, it be, for me as a person who's naturally a bit of a homebody, most of my hobbies are indoor things, and I gravitate a lot toward doing that stuff. But when I was um, living by myself some years ago, um, what I found was that one of the only ways that I could like stop myself from going into this sort of like spiral of just like despair was like just going out, going somewhere, driving somewhere, being somewhere, doing anything just about. And just that often was what like saved me from having really bad nights. Like, mm. and so even though Lisa's an eight year old and I know that it's inappropriate in that sense, looking at this now, again, I feel sort of, validated by that because i feel like that's expressing that impulse to me yeah so it and you know it works for me that's all i can say <laughs> yeah oh i definitely understand that and especially when being in lockdown this year <laughs> just, yeah just being sure. in a different environment and being able to just not be at home and that's that's obviously a very different experience of what was a bit of depression um, but even so, it's it's a it's a common denominator that we all share now. So maybe there will be like in the future a little bit more understanding of this kind of exactly thing. true. Yeah, like how valuable it is to just get out. Yes. Um, another thing, 
now as a parent I have a problem mm. with is that Maggie is, I believe, like not even one yet. Because I think there's an episode where she turns one. She's at a jazz club <laughs> awake at night. I'm assuming it's nighttime. It is, because um, you see the far shot afterward, yeah. She should be in bed. <laughs> she should be in bed, yeah, but she's getting a little culture stuff, you know? It's... I know, but, you know, and the, <laughs> I mean, she's a very inaccurate baby for many reasons, yes. but, you know, we don't have time for a whole episode on that. Yes. <laughs> do we think Lisa should have had therapy? Because I, th- I do think it probably would have helped her long term. You know, she has a long life of the person she is worrying about the world ahead of her. But I also think... Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. It's something I wanted to ask you about because, like, um, I've always wondered, like, if a child is sad, like, outwardly, visibly sad, like, when is it a big enough deal to investigate? And it's because you don't want to pathologize it, like you were saying. Like, you, But, mm. I mean, when is it matter enough that, because everyone notices it with Lisa. The gym teacher notices it, everybody. And, and so when is it not just something, when is it important enough that it needs to be investigated further or that, she needs actual professional help because I mean, is it just a question of time? Yeah. Pretty much. I think, um, like generally, you know, every child will have their ups and downs and particularly in adolescence. Yeah. You know, some of the things that may have maybe dealt with in therapy may not need therapy as well. Like there's a really good podcast that I listen to called very bad therapy and, <laughs> and they sort of just talk about bad experiences of therapy and what, what they know to be a better way of dealing with, like whatever the problem was. And one of them was saying like they, one of their friends was going through a really hard time uh, going through a divorce or grief or something like that. And they were like, you need to get therapy. You need to get help. And then six months down the track, they were, they were fine. They were better and they didn't get therapy, but it was, you know, the situation, the general, you know, processing of feelings that the intensity reducing and, you know, just kind of getting on with it. And they managed to manage it without necessarily getting therapy and sometimes what we do with kids is sometimes we over pathologize things that are sort of natural responses to to life like i've had referrals from schools to see kids whose parent has died or which you know is really huge things for them to process and deal with but they don't necessarily need to engage with a therapist at that time yeah because what they're experiencing is a normal response grief is a normal response and other things that happen in life that create uh, mental distress is it's it's not necessarily an abnormal experience of that um like adolescence is a is a tough time mm-hmm. yeah so sometimes parents will be like fix my kid they need therapy and it's <laughs> like well actually maybe you just need to manage adolescence and I'm sure I will be one of those parents. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're be- yeah, because I mean, they're being checked in on, which is good. But it's also like you can, yeah. you know, catastrophize a bit. You know? Exactly. But I think if things start really affecting the functioning of the child, like hmm. they won't go to school or they aren't eating, you know, all those things that Lisa sort of showed some early signs of. Yeah. If that continued over a period of time, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks. I think, yeah, maybe that would be a good reason to, to see a therapist. I think I think time's probably an important one as well because we all feel sad and we all feel anxious at times. You know, if Lisa was saying things like, like she does say, I don't see the point. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit of suicidal ideation. Like, what's the whole point of living? Um, you know, if, she, if that went on to be like, oh, I kind of want to end my life, then 
go get these to a therapist stop yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um and especially because a child that age doesn't really have the right language to express what's really bothering them anyway they're not expected to exactly. they shouldn't they don't need that language but i mean if they're having if they're struggling with these big emotions that are like that obviously they can't yet articulate in a, you know, mm. in a traditionally helpful way, you know. I don't know. It's kind of like being in a box where you can't communicate a bit, you know. But I do think you're right that everybody gets sad. So it's like there's no hard and fast rule, basically. And I think in Lisa's case, she definitely was more than just sad. But and it's not to say that therapy isn't not saying that it won't be helpful, but what it can do to a kid who's just having what would be expected is if if they're immediately like told to go to a psychologist that might make them think oh this is not right i'm not normal yeah and in a perfect world we wouldn't have that stigma anyway and everyone would just get therapy whenever they want (laughs) because it's helpful and free um but i think what is better than just sending your kid off for therapy would be learning that emotional regulation stuff as a parent and and trying to help your kid through those things in whatever language they use and and in which Every way they do and modeling how you manage your emotions which isn't actually very easy because we all have our own emotions that we deal with too yes. that we struggle with so it's hard to model that to a kid but that's a cheaper way of doing it <laughs> yeah well, i was just gonna say like really uh, just really quickly like i mean we used to always say this but like you know people are pretty resilient for the most part yeah and, and you know so especially I mean, kids yeah so like kids can struggle with you know pretty awful things and can somehow come out on top of it but I just wonder in retrospect, like how, you know, how differently we would, you know, treat a situation like this now that we have a little bit better, I don't know, it's a more, it's a little bit more enlightened now mm. where it seems like, you know, maybe, maybe it would be nice if someone had stepped in, in some situations and said, wait a minute, what is going on here? And I don't think that's just true with depression. I think it's true with a lot of things where it's like, there is a little bit of pressure to be kind of like, well, it'll all work itself out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, but... Just get on with it, yeah. It just, it's a case, it's a case-by-case thing, obviously. Yeah, and maybe a therapist would have helped Lisa to just have a couple of strategies up about when things get hard for yeah. her and how to harness her creativity, which I think was clear in the episode that society slash the music teacher is trying to quash <laughs> her creativity and... What she actually needed was to embrace that, you know, weirdness and difference about her. And I'm guessing that that's a continued arc in the the series. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Lisa, you know, we kind of keep learning more and more about Lisa's sort of inner life up to the point where, you know, she, at the end of the seventh season, has this... um, you know, moment where she make they go to a new town for the summer and she makes a bunch of new friends where she sort of pretends she's a totally different person. And there is mm. this kind of nice sense of closure in that where she sort of finds out that these new people actually accept who she is. And I always thought that would have been a nice note to end the show on. Yeah. Um, you know, and before that, there's things like there's an episode where she has a my favorite episode, actually, where she has a sort of a crush on a substitute teacher and her crush is completely because he is extremely just validating and 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 kind Mm. to her and spots that she's very talented and 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 complex and you know and i I think that things like that where you really and and she contrasts that very sharply with homer Mm. you know and i mean i just think things like that kind of are littered throughout the show and i think those are really some of the strongest moments that they have because she's a very interesting character and one that's very yeah relatable definitely so in fear of flying, I think there's a few more harmful things, probably. <laughs> yeah. I hate how Homer makes fun 
of people. Yeah. Um, who like saying they're like crazy. Makes fun of Skinner. Yeah. But I'm not sure if, like, maybe the episode is trying to say that he's playing that trope up when Marge is in therapy, his own wife, and it's helpful to be in therapy. I think it is, because like we've been saying, just like Homer is kind of a stand-in for a certain attitude in this, and, you know, it's, uh, but he, it is really hard to listen to him. I mean, and there's actually a deleted scene that is awful, just awful, where uh, they're on the plane and Homer starts mocking Marge's panic attack, which is just one of the oh, worst things God. I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm so and glad they caught that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's very, it's very, it was a very good decision not to let that go forward. So no matter how, like, I mean, true to life it is, it's also really difficult to sit through, <laughs> like, you know, to see that sort of behavior. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's pretty harmful, but also telling of the time that, we're rooting for the Simpsons to stay together always, but mm-hmm. even though from pretty early on in the se- series, but not necessarily the best part of the series, we can see that Home is a shit husband. Marge would be better off without him. There was an opportunity to explore that. Right. Home is stopped, so it won't be explored. Right. It, it never gets addressed, and they stay together. <laughs> the nuclear family must be maintained. Yeah, you know. despite the fact that he's... Yeah. Stopping her self-actualization, for sure. And that's why if you're making a show about a family that you expect us to believe is going to stay together all these years and be relatively happy all these years, that's why you don't make, don't gradually make the husband more and more of an asshole. But that's just me. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess it's harmful about the stuff around, like, Marge's dad being shunned because he's a stewardess. Obviously, it's helpful that the therapist... So heteronormative. It is. Um... Yeah. It is helpful that the therapist suggests he's a, he was a pioneer, but let's not get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> if he had American hero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's heteronormative, but it's also like, it's like, it's kind of silly that it's a problem in the, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's on one layer, it's like, it's silly to call him out for having that job. But on another level, why should that job be gendered? Yeah. And I think lastly, for me, I think it may be harmful for people who are afraid of flying. That as soon as she can fly, the plane crashes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke. It but is yeah, funny. I mean, if they were seriously trying to tackle the, the matter of, of, of flying, then it's, you know, it, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> but to Marge's credit, she was very calm throughout the whole thing. <laughs> she did really well, yeah. I think that there's been some real growth. Now if she'll just leave her husband, we'll be all set. So our final scores, if we could kind of summarize the lived experience, maybe we can skip that category because it's a bit hard to actually pinpoint whether there is enough lived experience on both episodes because of... Because of my lackluster research and also just too many... (laughs) No, (laughs) too many variables. Um, But maybe there's, you know, half a point in there if we were going to be... Sure, let's uh just throw that out there. (laughs) Accuracy, what do you think? I feel like we both think it was actually not too bad so yes they get a point for accuracy i think on both we're gonna say on both episodes personally yeah. because i think that there were enough true things in both that, that it definitely qualifies. I, I would agree with that um stereotypes there were many there were many i, th- I feel like moaning lisa the stereotypes in moaning lisa are like the ones throughout the whole series so i don't think it counts as being a problem yeah i feel like that passes but fear of flying I didn't like so much <laughs> in terms of stereotypes. Yeah, you get a point off. Point off, yeah. And uh, harmful or helpful. I feel like running Lisa was helpful, but maybe Fear of Flying had 
too many harmful things. I'm pretty much there with you. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't know what that adds up to, but... It's like half, it's like a point and a half or something. Go Simpsons. Cultural phenomenon. You have been censured by Psychocinematic, and you will be getting a letter from our lawyers. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Nathan. Steph, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was really fun, and I'm, I'm really enjoying what you're doing, and so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to crash into bed, and what? how are you going to spend the rest of your day? I'm going to probably eat something. <laughs> <laughs> you must and be then, Oh, yeah, and then I'm getting a haircut because it's time. And my first, Yay, my first post-COVID haircut, so... Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We only have four ratings on Apple Podcasts, and that's pretty shit. <laughs> we need more. Please sign up to our Patreon for bonus content, including our latest episode that focuses on mental illness and music. Also, we have all the socials, except TikTok, because I don't know what we would do with TikTok. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.